welcome back to the Go For Two podcast. I'm Liam, your host, and this is our Super Bowl review podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, mate, how are you doing? And Have you recovered from a 3, 3.30am bedtime on Sunday night? Yes, yes. Feel all good. Like we were just uh, mentioning off here, it seemed to skittle by quite quickly, the game. So it was like last year. I felt like Chiefs Bucks went on for a long time. But then I think I was really interested in seeing kind of the aftermath as well. So, Yeah, I think last season there were so many passes in the second half because the Chiefs were losing so much. The clock was just stopping dead all the time, whereas this game, uh, the clock was definitely running, which we'll talk about uh, in a bit later. But the Rams are your Super Bowl champions. Uh, how do you feel as a Rams hater throughout the season? <laughs> hey, well, I actually I picked them to lose the Super Bowl back in July or August, didn't I? So I was... I'm in the game at least, so I was kind of, yeah, I mean, throughout the playoffs, you'd probably say deserved, I mean, they didn't really have any kind of big wins, but they beat some good teams, right, and without, you know, taking anything away from the Bengals, if you were to play the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl, I think you'd be pretty pleased with that, so, got the job done, didn't they, through through some adversity during the game as well for the Rams, so it wasn't all... Smooth sailing, was it? Obviously, with um, Odell Beckham going out. So, yeah, they've definitely faced adversity through the season. So, can't yeah. say it's not deserved. No, and for the playoffs, they had a dominant unit in terms of the defence. <clears throat> I think they gave up, I think I read they gave up nine third downs in the whole of the playoffs. Uh, and they played, obviously, wild card weekends. So that's pretty impressive to, to do that. Um so, yeah, their defence definitely stole the show throughout the playoffs and, and did carry that on yesterday. Uh, what was your general thoughts on the whole thing? Obviously, LA Super Bowl, we had The Rock, uh, halftime show, pretty good national anthem. Did it feel as much of a spectacle? Because I know before the game, we were both a little bit neutral, like, oh, this game hasn't been hyped up as much as previous Super Bowls. Yeah, I, and I feel like the whole thing um, together came off maybe a little bit under what I'd expect a Super Bowl, but I just, I do honestly just think that that could be kind of both teams and just the way it was set up, really, because I thought, like, the, the rock coming out was quite funny, but he seems like a bit of a parody of himself now. Do you not think? I used to yeah. love the rock, mate. I used to absolutely love um, WWE, so when I was younger, but seems a bit of a parody of himself now. But, no, the whole thing, the stadium looked incredible didn't it yes yeah, i can't wait to go there one day um the whole thing looks quite one thing i didn't know actually i don't know if you knew this but it's built into the ground as well six stories into the ground because of lax because planes go past it it couldn't be the height that they wanted it to be so they had to spend a million dollars just digging six floors worth of holes in the mud so when you actually go in the stadium you're below ground level that's why yeah, it's so that's hot amazing, isn't it? yeah that's why it's so hot down there apparently um apparently it was the hottest super bowl on record at pitch level before the game yeah, I mean, everybody looked absolutely drenched. Joe, in the media, they <laughs> yeah. were just like... The Rock looked drenched, to be fair, in his all-burgundy outfit. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. But no, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I was a bit more... I enjoyed it more than I thought I would before the game. Um, but I think that's more the whole thing from start to finish. I don't think the game was quite as good as I'd want to be. But they did kind of put the LA twist on it that, that maybe improved it. And I think we're going to see a few more Super Bowls at that stadium. Uh, in the next maybe 20 years or so, but we'll see. Uh, also, by the way, TV ratings came out 20 minutes before the pod and uh, 14% up in the US uh, than last year, which I find shocking for Brady versus Mahomes. But 14%? Really? Yeah, yeah up. Yeah. So I don't know what that is, whether it's 
people in LA watching that would never normally watch, or maybe well, it's, only, I mean, it's so a many, huge TV market area, isn't it? Yeah, so many people hate Tom Brady as well. And as we found out this year, a lot of people do hate Mahomes, so you never know. Maybe there's fans of like the Bengals fans maybe wouldn't normally watch the Super Bowl, or I don't know, Miami fans or Bills fans because of Tom Brady, but maybe maybe they are this year. But yeah, 14% up, so. Uh, at least in America, they enjoyed it. I'd like to see the European numbers to see if they were up or down, but the European, the, the American one was up. Uh, let's move on then to talk about the game. Uh, in terms of our picks, we did both pick the Rams to win, so we were right on that one. Uh, we both picked them against the spread, though, and they only won by three points, 23 to 20, so we both missed out on the spread. Um, I did think there would be more points scored in total. Uh, what were your thoughts when you kind of see that final score? We both picked the over. Uh, did that surprise you at all? I know we both mentioned the defences of both teams, but I, I did think the over would be a bit more likely to hit than it was. Yeah, but then I think as the game kind of opened and went on, and as soon as Odell Beckham went out, that kind of seemed unlikely because the Rams looked porous, didn't they, on offence for quite a while after Odell had gone out. So, yeah, it doesn't shock me. I didn't think the Bengals were... I think they made some strange decisions, which probably um, hits the helps the under to hit, doesn't it? But yeah, twenty three twenty. It's it's not going to be uh, known as a classic Super Bowl, I don't think. But I mean, it was a close game. It's a field goal, isn't it? I mean, the Bengals were driving with a chance to tie it up or win with a minute to go. So there was always that, wasn't there? But you probably even though the defences were obviously played well during the playoffs, you probably would have expected maybe a touchdown more each out of the teams. Yeah, yeah, I think I would agree. And um, one thing I did hear from a couple of mates who are not, two of them are not maybe as avid NFL watchers. They watch the big games and they watch the Super Bowl. Uh, that Just the fact that it was close meant that even though the middle part of the game that we're going to talk about wasn't great quality-wise, a close game down the stretch does seem to make people enjoy it more in the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, if the Rams had played a bit better in the third quarter and they were winning by two touchdowns, I think people would actually hate the game more, even though the Rams maybe played better, because I just think people love to see a drive, don't they? Yeah. The last couple of minutes. And I think the end figure as well, everyone would have stayed to watch the end of the game because it, uh, it was such a good finish. But um, the Rams' defensive line that we spoke about all week, uh, every podcast spoke about it. It seemed like people were trying to find other reasons for the game, even us, to talk about. Um, but the one that we all knew would make a difference, Rams defensive line versus Bengals offensive line, it kind of was the difference, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah, it was the uh, massive difference. And probably, obviously, since it's come out, um, since about Donald and him making the big play at the end and he had two sacks, but one one person I thought that made a huge difference that we didn't really speak about and no one else really spoke about was A. Sean Robinson, was an absolute monster, wasn't he? He was in the run game, especially. Yeah, which does does yeah. make a difference because we'll talk about that in a minute. Both coaches, but uh, same tree. Both do love to run on early downs, and it felt like Asian Robinson was getting tackles in the backfield all the time, just to make sure the Bengals had kind of second and long, third and long. So they never, they were never really, maybe until the fourth quarter a little bit. They were never really in like second and one, if you know what I mean. It was always second and six or more. And I think he was a big part of that. Uh, and I think we'll talk about Von Miller as a pass rusher, but his, him on the other side as well, his run defence was really good as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think the A. Sean Robinson's presence kind of maybe changed a few decisions that we'll 
talk about for the Bengals in short yardage. But yeah, just the line just dominated as we thought. But you look, then you, I mean, you look at the Bengals' offensive line, it kind of was what we expected, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was actually worse than I expected uh, in terms of. Like PFF, for example, Jonah Williams, a very good left tackle. The rest of the line's pretty poor, but he's a good left tackle. He had his worst game of his career in the Super Bowl, which is never nice to see. But their best their best offensive lineman playing that bad, I kind of thought, oh, this is actually a little bit worse than I thought. Even though they started the game okay, a lot of that was just kind of the scheme they were using, passing the ball so quickly. Every time there was an obvious pass rush situation, and again, absolutely mauled. And uh, either Burrow got sacked or he got the ball out just before in time. But yeah, not, not a good night for for the offensive line. Um, in terms of the stats, I think the third quarter they had five sacks, which is an NFL record. They tied an NFL record for Super Bowl total sacks as a team. Um, nearly got the, the total sack record for a player as well. Donald at the end didn't quite get a sack. It didn't count as that. So, yeah, defensive line was was very dominant. Uh, let's go and just kind of roll back a bit and talk about some, some key moments or key topics. First one I had to write down because I know we both want to talk about it was head coaching. Uh, so what were your thoughts on both head coaches? Because... Uh, I think maybe to the last drive for one team and maybe the Bengals' first drive in the third. I think the rest of the game, both head coaches were pretty poor in terms of decision-makers. I mean, you're not quite sure whether they actually wanted to win at points <laughs> in the game. It was like... like Because I've been thinking, because I've re-watched it. I mean, it wasn't a game that I was rushing to re-watch, to be honest. But... Um, you have to kind of watch it again, don't you, to see whether the decisions that you thought at the time and the heat at the moment were correct. But I just thought that both teams kind of tried to throw it away with terrible decision-making. I mean, they won in the end, but you sent me that chart of the <laughs> Rams running yardage, and it's yeah. an absolute joke. It yeah. is just, how have you won the Super Bowl? I'm just pulling it up now, so the rushers... Four yards, zero, minus three, minus one, four, three, minus one, 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 two, one, minus two. It goes on like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and that's that's running back runs as well. So pure running backs has not been able to get any yardage. It was, it was mind-boggling, but I, I was texting a few people, including you, and every time I was saying, right, now's the drive. Stop running on first down, second down. You start using Stafford get back into the game because they were losing for, for a large portion of that second half. And every single drive, it was first down, second down run. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, straight up the gut, it was like, this is like, what is happening here? And then, obviously, it's on the flip side, isn't it, with the decisions that the Bengals made in short yardage were absolutely abysmal and most likely cost them the game, right? Yeah, opposite situation really, wasn't it? Where they were getting demolished by the pass rush and sometimes you need to, uh, let's throw a screen here. Do you know what I mean? Let's throw a little outside run in. Let's do a draw. Um, let's not just drop back, pass, drop back, pass, drop back, pass. Uh, it seemed like towards the end of the game, they completely forgot to do that and it didn't work out. And I think a lot of that is bad decision making. And then the other side is what you said, that the Rams in the first half stopped the run so well that they did put the Bengals off. But I still think in short yardage especially, you need to mix it up a bit just to open up that play-action game. Yeah, for sure. It's just... Ah, oh, mate. This, the, the short yardage for me on the final drive, whether at midfield, will surely they're going to be thinking about that forever. That is the kind of decisions that you've made and have gone wrong 
that you look at and think, actually, maybe there's some adjustments I need to make. I understand the clock was ticking, but so they got on the first down, they got nine yards, didn't they? Take them to midfield, second yeah. one. Then from second and one, how on earth do you get into a position where you're on fourth and one and Joe Burrow's just having to get rid of the ball? Just flip it up into the air and hopefully it's something there because Aaron Donald's all over you. That's what's cost you the game, really, isn't it? Because when they were driving, they got a couple of first downs and you thought they probably only need one more first down and McPherson could tie this up at worst. Right? But the second yeah. down play was they came back and he threw kind of a, a lob to chase, didn't he? I had no idea why you're doing that on second and one. Just get one yard, right? Yeah, <laughs> just take a shot. Take a shot on first and first and ten or something. And then what were we talking about with those prop bets last week? P Ryan, was it over 0.5 carries? Because he'd yeah. not had a carry in the... <laughs> he got you know, one. He'd have a couple in the game, but then you're giving it to him with the game on the line at a third and one. So it's not like the clock was running because the ball had gone out of bounds on the pass play, but you still had him in there and then called that run. Just call it for Mixon on an outside run. You're most likely going to get a first down. Oh, I don't know. Just it's, that decision-making is... It's bad. It, I like Sean McVeigh, but they're both... He's from his obviously Zach Taylor's from that tree, and they both show the same exact qualities, don't they? It almost felt like they're not the same team because the weapons are different, the QB style is different, except for the offensive lines are very different. But some of the decision making at times, you're like, ah, oh, this is almost like watching the same guy, isn't it, on both sidelines, in terms of getting it wrong. And uh, he always takes Mixon off on third down, and I just felt like, okay, this is the time to not take Mixon off on third and fourth down. And he did it anyway, and I was just like, oh, this is the biggest moment of the season. He's such a good running back, very good. Uh, in short yardage as well, because he's a big guy. And uh, it just felt like they were trying to be too cute and maybe get the Rams in a different type of defensive package with P. Ryan in there, who normally catches passes. But, yeah, then they tried to run the ball with him, and it's just, it just didn't work. But it was a hell of a tackle from Donald, though. I know P. Ryan's not a great player, but uh, to stop someone that easily, it looked like, on one yard, <laughs> was pretty impressive from Aaron Donald, who then also nearly gets a sack to end the game. Yeah, I mean, you're playing into his hands there, aren't you? You're talking about one of the best defensive players ever and you've you've played into his hands trying to be too like you said too cute so it's that that for me they've got to rue that and that may may look at that as a learning curve for decision process making right because after the game i i, I tweeted out that the, the rams had won but the bengals and there's only so many chances that you get right. And I just thought that was their chance on the 50-yard line with one minute left, down three. Whenever are you going to get that again when you're the Bengals? Because I'm not sure ever, because yeah. the AFC is stacked. Yeah, I would have took that as a Chiefs fan, and I'd be disappointed if we were losing. Do you know what I mean? If I said, she said to me before the game, we're losing to Rams, I'd be like, oh, I, don't th- I, I would hope we'd be winning against the Rams in the fourth. But if you'd have said to me, down three, Mahomes with the ball, two timeouts a minute to go, just like you say to a Bengals fan, I'd have been like, okay. It's a yeah, Super Bowl. I'll take that. Second and one on the fifty. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean, the amount of things that can, can yeah, I know the amount of things that can go wrong in an NFL game before that point, and you're at that point with a great chance to win. Two timeouts is very important as well. A coach like Taylor, if he had no timeouts, I'd be worried about the sort of things he would call. But you've got two timeouts, which means you can take your time, and you've arguably got a top five kicker, at least in form, and in a stadium where the elements don't matter and he can kick it from really far that even if you only get to like a 55 yard field goal it's not quite worked out 
you've still got a great chance to not lose the game. Do you know what I mean? And go again in overtime. I just think there's some strange decisions. But um, going back to the other the other guy, I just wanted to mention McVeigh again with the, what you said about the rushing. Uh, the they first 18 runs of the game, so this is before the Cooper Cup run. That was the 19th run for the Rams. All 18 runs, according to Next Gen stats, were unsuccessful. So they deem like um, a one-yard run on third and at one and ten. First and ten is not successful. But if you're on third and one, a one-yard run is successful because you've got the one yard you need. So that does take into account where you are on the field. The first 18 were unsuccessful, which is the worst in Super Bowl history. Uh, and their yards per run in the first 18 were the worst in any playoff game ever since 1965. <laughs> I'm just like, why were you carrying on running? I know the Odell stuff is important, but... Yeah, those stats there. Just We said it for the game, though, didn't we? Which head coach will kind of not make the worst decisions and not just run on first down all the time, not just throw go balls to Jamar Chase four times in a row and, and kind of be three and out? And it seemed like to me in the middle of the game, when we had six drives between the two teams for a total of 11 yards, we had four Bengals drives for a total of four yards. It seemed like in the middle portion of the game, <laughs> both coaches lost their heads to me and the offense was terrible. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I just say I, I find it interesting actually that um, in the media the narrative hasn't been really about the Bengals, has it? About that that kind of decision making and having that chance. Yeah. It's quite interesting. I don't know whether it is because it's the Bengals and people yeah. love Joe Burrow, or you know whether it's unexpected that they were to be there. But yeah, it's yeah. I've seen, rightfully so, I've seen in terms of McVeigh, he should get stick even though he won had two drives where he called great drives. He had two drives as a head uh, play caller where he, he called great drives. But uh, I've seen more people criticise him for running, which they should, than, than uh, the Bengals' offence because the Bengals' offence was just as bad after the first quarter. I know they had that one touchdown. But if you take away the T. Higgins touchdown, uh, that we'll talk about in a minute in terms of the DPI, but... OPI, but uh, they were averaging three yards a pass. If you take that that play out, that one play, the whole game would be three yards, which is awful in the NFL. Uh, and I saw a good stat earlier that by there's like a, a company. I think it might be Next Gen Stats as well. They take like twelve passing metrics for the season, so they don't want people. Some people don't like PFF, so they put PFF in there. They put ESPN stats in there. They put their own stats. They put Opta, American-owned Opta, in there. And uh, the Bengals had like the fifteenth best offense in the league at moving the ball, and the Rams had the ninth. Uh, and it just seemed like you're watching a game where two teams just not on their day just couldn't move the ball. And uh, I'd say the third quarter was a struggle for me personally to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not going to live in Super Bowl lore, is it? No, it's not. Um, let's talk about some of the other moments then. We'll go back to back with this one. So we've got the Odell Beckham touchdown and the Odell Beckham injury. So go one by one. Uh, I thought the touchdown was great. I read a good article about that. that's the concept they run all the time in the red zone. Uh, and it used to be Cooper Cup that did that route that he he would do, and Robert Woods would do the inside route, but they swapped it around. And I thought his burst off the line, which is disappointing when we now we're going to talk about his injury, I thought the burst and speed he had to get off the line and kind of whip that corner on the outside route and then catch it so easily. I thought, A, it was an incredible route and his speed looked great. And B, I thought, oh, this could be a Super Bowl MVP performance of how well he started the game. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, like you say, it's actually so difficult to get yourself that open right in the end zone in the yeah. Super Bowl it's not an easy thing it, yeah he was looking amazing but yeah it was really art because his his character was really damaged at the end of the Giants run and then the Browns run has not helped his character 
as it in the kind of in the media and whatever has happened with Baker Mayfield and kind of the, just the Browns all around there. But he kind of really brought it back with the Rams, didn't he? So it was obviously he was performing well. He was showing that he was still kind of an elite player when given those opportunities. So it was absolutely heartbreaking really when it went down and I'm not like a, I like him as a person you know I'm not like you though I you're like a huge fan of him aren't you but yeah. I was like absolutely gutted to be honest when he he's the best players it's the Super Bowl isn't it no matter what team you're rooting for you don't want the best players to be missing in the Super Bowl no and uh, I saw some good posts from NFL players about I think Justin Jefferson was one of them um, talking about that that field is obviously high tech turf isn't it it's not actual grass it's yeah. fake grass and uh, if you speak to any skill player I think offensive line's a bit different because the pass rushers struggle to get speed under their feet on fake grass which makes Aaron Donald and Von Miller even more impressive that they do that on turf but uh, any skill player is just con- you see them they're constantly worried about these sort of injuries every time it happens you can see them turn to Twitter to talk about it and uh, yeah so it's disappointing it's a bit frustrating no one's talking about this either and I don't really want them to but it only really happened because Stafford threw the ball behind him if you've noticed you know what I mean like he had to really kind of change his run and then that was it the knee knee got knee's gone and uh, they didn't talk about it for the whole game and I thought a lot of that was maybe due to trying to keep the team morale up. But the day after, they did announce it was an ACL, even though it looked like it was an ACL. Uh, so he's probably going to be out, what, till December at the earliest, you'd say, if not all the way through to January playoffs? Yeah, it's going to be late on, isn't it? So, I mean, he's he's a free, unrestricted free agent, isn't he? So, but Surely you go back to the Rams on a tiny deal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, take, I think... Take the two million and just rehab in a city that you love and a team that you've won a Super Bowl with and... Basically, you're just going to get paid two million quid for like three games at the end of the season in the playoffs. Do you know, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think they'll even risk him before then. If, if yeah, I, I think that's probably the most likeliest outcome for him, isn't it? And probably the best for him as well. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if he doesn't sign with anyone until he's fit, and then sees what he can get on the market. But I, that's a risky, <laughs> risky way to go about it. But I know he has his own medical team just from watching his documentary, and they do a lot of the work anyway. Like he doesn't actually didn't actually spend. Funny enough, probably why Cleveland hated him, but he didn't actually spend a lot of the time rehabbing in Cleveland. He had his own medical team in LA, funny enough. So I do wonder what he'll do. Uh, did you see Baker Mayfield's post about him, though, or not? I didn't, no. You didn't? Oh, my no, God. I, I actually haven't. Let me pull the right words up. Uh, I'm just not good for radio, but I'm uh, searching on Twitter to find the screenshot. He deleted it almost straight after. No, I didn't this, this is on his Instagram. Um, and let me just double check. Uh, oh no it might be fake no I mean god it's fake it's fake I don't want to read it out of there in case but it was funny it made me think it was real <laughs> that Baker could say something like that but yeah uh, apparently it's apparently it's not real but apparently he liked the photo of the fake Instagram post but then unliked it so I won't read it out but basically just saying that he didn't try in Cleveland and then allegedly he accidentally liked it and then unliked it, but it was a photo of his own Instagram account, but someone else had like changed a, f- a post he did about some random thing and put Odell's name in it. And uh, yeah, but, yeah. but then he actually liked it. So yeah, God bless. Uh, but yeah, I-, I wish Odell recovery. It was amazing to see him celebrate after the game. Very emotional. Um, now he's Super Bowl champion, which loads of players will never say. So that's pretty good. Uh, let's go to the other touchdown. The game that a lot of people are talking about. Um, we go. Let's go for the T Higgins one first. Straight after halftime, it felt like the Rams 
momentum really slowed towards the end of the half and they probably need to come out firing after after the halftime show. Uh, but then first play of the game, it was a 75-yard pass to T Higgins down the sideline. At the time, I did think it was OPI, but I, I thought it was for a push-off, not for uh face mask. But then the replay comes, oh my God, one of the most obvious face masks I think I've ever seen missed. Yeah, it was unbelievable, really, wasn't it? That was such a strange passage, like just being just coming straight after half time, obviously the first play, because I felt like um, Al Michaels and Collinsworth just were a bit low energy on it as well. I mean, it was a, like a bomb touchdown. It wasn't until the replays that you'd saw that something bad had happened. You know I mean, it, just the whole situation was so odd, but the actual penalty was, yeah, that's as blatant as you get, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Jalen Ramsey, obviously, type of uh, corner that's going to let you know about it as well, isn't he? Screaming at the refs. But, uh, yeah, they didn't notice it. Still a good run. And uh, I like the, I actually like the play designs come out and just take a shot there. Uh, and they did take a lot of shots at Ramsey. I think Ramsey had a pretty poor game, to be honest, overall. It seemed like he kind of knows that Joe Burrow doesn't have the world's strongest arm. And every time someone was over the top, he was trying to come short and break out and, and catch an interception. But the amount of times people were getting over the top of him. Uh, it was crazy. But yeah, this one definitely wasn't his fault. But it gave the Bengals uh, quite a lot of momentum. Then immediately after, Matt Stafford picked off as well uh, from a tip pass. And then I thought, here we go. This could be the game over now. But the Rams defence kind of held strong. And I think it was just a field goal, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah, it was a field goal. I thought that could have been like... Because uh, obviously the Rams on offence had not really figured it out without Odell at that point. That could have been a small nail in the coffin, but it was kind of a bit of a passive drive. And then they, I mean, they got down to the kind of goal to go nearly, didn't they? But it's just, just stalled. And then obviously they kicked the field goal, but yeah, I think he got, he got sacked twice, didn't he? On the last three plays to turn that, turn that into a field goal, which is basically out of the whole second half. Seemed like it went was (laughs) Joe Burrow getting sacked or getting nearly sacked. And I found it funny that, on the first sack, where they gave Donald a sack, which were pushing him out of bounds, which I found funny, but uh, it was the Bengals reacting. I noticed that the right guard almost punched Donald in the face, didn't get a flag, and it, then it seemed like they kind of angered Donald, and he was like, okay, right, that's it, and he was an absolute yeah, beast for that. Yeah. I was like, don't, you don't want to be angry at Aaron Donald, mate. <laughs> that's a bad tactic, I think, to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was kind of, um, feel like a bit of a tight turn, wasn't it, at that point? It was. Uh, let's go down to the other Bengals TD that, I know that everyone tw- on my Twitter was talking about. Uh, it was a Joe Mixon TD pass. Uh, was it to Tyler Boyd or T Higgins? I think it was to T Higgins, wasn't it? Um, was it T Higgins scored two touchdowns then? Yeah, T Higgins got two, yeah. Nice. Uh, very much a Philly special here. Uh, did that roll back the years there to the previous Super Bowl when you saw that play? That uh, one thing I would say to that is that is a brave call. Yeah, that is a brave call in the red zone. I, I did admire that. But obviously, the play design was a little bit different. The Rams obviously ran the old Philly special, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they just, that didn't didn't end as well. <laughs> no, it didn't. But that it, yeah, it was a very very brave call, and it was a decent pass by Mixon as well, wasn't it? It was. It did feel like the ball was in the air from eternity. But I think, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think, there, but. Yeah, I think maybe that was just an, of the situation where you're like, oh my God, a running back's just thrown it and you're waiting to see if someone catches it. And I think T. Higgins was probably waiting there for what felt like a minute, even though it's probably just a second. But uh, when he caught it and celebrated, everyone was going nuts to Joe Mixon, which was what I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I thought Mixon had a pretty good game overall, actually, um, from what considering how many chances they actually gave him to run and uh, 
the one pass they did that was kind of a screen. I think he played pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, I liked uh, Mixon's uh, run game, to be honest. I think, obviously, that's why it irked me so much that they did what they did on second, third and fourth down when he kind of wasn't in the game. So I just I don't understand that at all. But, you know, uh, 72 yards on the ground, he's by far the best running back on show in that, that day. Yeah, I agree. Um, cool, let's move forward then to the biggest moment, really, that last drive of the game. I think it was 15, was it 15 plays? Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, and multiple first downs. They had the fourth and one at their own 30, which McVeigh would never, ever normally go for. He'd been pretty much poor all day with game time decisions. And then uh, he decided to go with the Cooper Cup rush play, which is a Cooper Cup rush better. I quite like that. But also in terms of the game, I thought that was a perfect play call. And is that last drive kind of why the media and why people like me do like McVeigh? The times that he can have the moments where he calls the perfect drive and it's just an easy play, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was a, it was a great drive. Uh, it depends on whose timeline you're on as to uh, who gets the credit for that drive. Is it McVeigh or is it Matthew Stafford? Yeah, I think it's Stafford for that one throw, that no-look pass down the seam. Yeah. yeah, to cut when he had um, Skronik, who did also drop every pass in the world. It seemed like free on the right for like a five-yard gain. He kind of bombed it down the middle of the field for a, for a 28 or 32-yard gain. Um, yeah, I think that throw was good. And obviously in the red zone, it takes some guts to to place the ball where he was placing it. But I think overall, a lot of it was McVeigh to me. Uh, I noticed uh, from the Ringers podcast, I don't know if you listened to that one, but Blanton went out with a shoulder injury and he's their t- blocking tight end. So they only had Hopkins, who's an ex-wide receiver. So they kind of had to play spread, which means they had to stop running the ball on the last drive. And for me, it accidentally forced their hand because when they played it in spread and had a tight end who could catch the ball and, and get down the field a bit, the whole offense opened up. And normally in the fourth quarter against a team like the Bengals, you'll find it hard to pass just because of the way they try and get seven or eight into coverage. But I felt that last drive, it really opened up for them with a the, with the different tight end on the field and trying to target cup more than they did in the previous kind of second and third quarter. Yeah, it did. They felt like that they were more open than they'd been in the entire game, right? Just because, yeah. like you said, they're all spread out. And yeah, you wouldn't have expected Bryce and Hopkins, would you? <laughs> catches 47 yards, pivotal catches. I know. Fourth down, uh, third downs all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's under. I know it's not an incredible game, Jeremy. It's not 100 yards, but I felt like the game of his life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in terms of that space that you said, um, from the so how they measure this is like the furthest wide receiver on each side of the formation. Uh, throughout the whole game, there was a certain amount of uh, yards between. I think it was twenty-three on the last drive. There was twenty-seven yards between the between the two end receivers. So all game they played really tight, tried to run the ball, and in the last drive they went four yards further spread, uh, which is actually the if you look at the whole season, that's the the the, the most they've ever spread out in a drive. And it really works. So I think that was a good play call. Uh, what was your thoughts on the guts of that fourth and one run with Cup? Was that an obvious decision? Or were you sat at home thinking, oh, my God, he's going to punt this because he's got three timeouts? <laughs> no, no, I mean, obviously, you, you go in there in the Super Bowl, aren't you, with the, the game on the line. It was a great call, though, to Cup because, and even when he went in motion, you knew that was coming, didn't you? Yeah. As soon as he went in motion, you knew that was coming. And it, it's such a hard play to stop behind the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, yeah, great call, that. 
is uh, best wide receiver season ever as well in terms of stats and touchdowns now after the postseason. It's an incredible year. Uh, what about the red zone in that one then? So he actually caught two touchdowns and he one came back for offsetting penalties. Then they had another penalty, which I know people are annoyed about, but I think at least two of them were definitely flags against the Bengals. Maybe one wasn't, but I still think they were going to score because even if you have that flag back, it's still first and 10 from the 10. I think come four downs with Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, uh, and Sean McVay, I still think they would have probably scored anyway. But um, yeah, Cooper Cup ended up scoring two TDs in, inside of like three passes and uh, perfect way for him personally to end the season. Yeah, it felt inevitable when they got down that they were going to score. That was kind of when you start to look at the clock, right? And you thought, actually, the Bengals are going to get a chance here to tie it up or win anyway, aren't they? So it was, yeah, it felt felt inevitable. It was a nice play call to isolate Cup on Eli Apple, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Eli Apple got absolutely roasted by everyone on Twitter. He's a hated man, isn't he, across the NFL? Mate, I'll tell you what, I would say that there's no one in the playoffs that's raised his media profile like Eli Apple this year. I know, I know. Ex-Giant as well. He used to play with Odell and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Funny enough, he left the Giants in quite bad fashion. And you'd think that would be the highlight of his media career with how poorly that ended. But now he's like a media sensation. Even Sean Payton was getting in on the act, saying like typical Eli on an interview I listened to. And I was thinking, oh, God. I knew the Saints hated him because he spoke bad about them when he left. But uh, I I knew the Chiefs hated him for the way he acted at Arrowhead. But I didn't know that everybody hated him. (laughs) It seemed like everyone hated Eli Apple. But uh, yeah, he played pretty well, actually, as well, to to that last drive. And then he got absolutely roasted and made time and time again by... uh, by Cooper Cup, but yeah, hell of a drive, one of the best. Not sure it's the best I've ever seen, like I'm seeing on social media this week, to be honest, but uh, absolute hell of a drive. And then hell of a drive from Aaron Donald afterwards, like we said earlier, to, to end the game for, for the Rams to win it out. Um, want to move on to talk about some MVPs then for, for the day in general. Uh, I'll get your answer for each one of these first. Let's go with the general MVP. Uh, normally quarterbacks win it. Um, Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald were pretty much in the running if you listen to people on Twitter at the time uh, no bookies in England were offering live odds you could only bet on Stafford or Burrow which is funny enough because they knew that neither of them would win it but who was your MVP in general of the game obviously it has to be a Rams player I guess yeah it, it, it's tough isn't it I think um, obviously it's just Cup or Donald for me they both affected the games massively you, you wouldn't really expect Cooper Cup to be an incredible red zone threat given his physical abilities do you know what I mean his physical stature and everything but he, yeah he's like a souped up hunter Renfro in that red zone even yeah he is yeah but I think you've got to go for Donald mate for for me for for closing the game out the way he did yeah. When the Bengals were moving and obviously did make some stupid decisions, like I've spoken about, but still, you had your closer on show, didn't you, there? He, he just came out on the last play where you want the great players to make great plays, and that's what happened. So, for me, probably just would squeak it over, even though on, on Twitter I did predict Cooper Cup before the game. So. You predicted Cooper Cup on the podcast before the game as well. I did indeed. Yeah, so if anyone bet that with you, they'd have won money. But I bet on Aaron Donald, so I didn't even listen to you, unfortunately <laughs> for me. But uh, yeah, I would have gone Donald as well, not just because I wanted to him to win for the cash, but uh, what was it? Two sacks, very close to third. Uh, it almost feels like if Burrow wouldn't have managed to get the ball out of the end for no reason, then 
he would have won MVP. But I did hear from someone on from PFF that uh, most of the votes were done before the two minute warning, and that's kind of where all the damage that Aaron Donald did. Like loads of it was after the two minute warning, so I think a lot of people had already voted by then, unfortunately. But um, yeah, he finished with three two sacks. Should have been three. I think it was five QB hurries, three tackles, one tackle for loss. Um, and he did the two game-defining plays on defence, didn't he, at the end of the game. So I would go Aaron Donald as well. I think Von Miller, though, Aaron Donald wasn't great in the first quarter. Really took his time to get going and kind of work out how they were triple-teaming and double-teaming him. I thought Von Miller was incredible as well. Finished the game with two sacks, four hurries. Um, Highest-graded player for ESPN and PFF for the game. I thought Miller was up there as well as an outside chance. Yeah, definitely. I didn't think he was going to kind of get the MVP award, but I mean, you've got what you paid for there, haven't you? Two sacks in the Super Bowl, multiple kind of in the backfield all the time. Yeah. That is well worth the price, isn't it, of what you paid? Yeah, two to three, wasn't it? They paid for that and uh, helped them get a Super Bowl, so they'll be happy with that. Uh, the next question was defensive or offensive MVP, but I assume because you've gone with Donald, your offensive MVP is Cup. There's no kind of... Uh, didn't think Stafford was close at all? Absolutely not, no. Um, it would, <laughs> <laughs> for me, it would be Cup. I didn't expect um, Stafford before the game. I think we spoke about it, didn't we, on the kind of preview pod. There's always going to be a couple of Matthew Stafford plays in there. and they want... This was actually a perfect kind of Matthew Stafford career game, really, because he, come, he comes out of it looking a hero, which he did a lot of the time in Detroit, didn't he? But he still made a couple of real bad throws. The bomb, obviously, into the touchdown was ridiculous. I don't care whether people were saying, well, they were going to punt it after or whatever. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm That's just not, exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> I'm not buying that in the Super Bowl, I'm afraid. And don't you think Van Jefferson should have just not stood still in the end zone, though, and watched someone catch that? That did annoy me. If I was a Rams yeah. fan, I'd be screaming like, why is my receiver just letting a corner cat, uh, <laughs> sorry, a safety catch the ball in the end zone in the Super Bowl? I was thinking, just hit him and he'll drop it, but... But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the second, the second exception wasn't his fault, um, but there was another really bad throw that he was lucky he didn't get tipped up into an interception in the first half. So yeah, it was a bit of a typical Stafford performance. And, and then uh, he pulls out an incredible no look pass on the touchdown drive. Right? Yeah, it felt like a bit of a summer of his summer of his career, really. So yeah, it's good for him to put getting a, a Super Bowl ring. Um, See a lot of talk about Hall of Fame for Stafford this week, so that's yeah. me because I I am a big big fan of the Hall of Fame in American sports, so that's been irking me this week. But I think in the NFL it's watered down now, isn't it? So I think yeah, my, my argument yeah. is he is a Hall of Famer, but that's because of the players they've already let in. Do you know what I mean? That's not my standards. If I had my standards, there'd be certain players that already aren't in it. But the way they do it at the moment. Um, I just think that he will be in it because he's going to have some of the... Until Mahomes retires, he's going to have some of the best stats outside of Brady and Peyton and Rodgers, isn't he? Just because of the, the sheer amount of time he's played and how much he's been in a high-pass offence. He's going to have a hell of a hell of amount of yards. But yeah, we won't spend an hour debating uh, his Hall of Fame candidacy. Uh, I, just found, I agree with you, by the way, that the summary of his career, because he, he had the most fourth-quarter um, drives, isn't he, from uh, losing position to come back and win in NFL history before this. And uh, it's quite fitting that he had to another fourth quarter drive to win it. So yeah, that was yeah, typical of Stafford. Uh, next MVP then, Bengals MVP. Obviously they didn't win, so you never get... But I didn't know this. There's been one losing team have an MVP. I don't know how the hell that happened. It was in 1980. 
Um, so it wasn't going to happen this week. But uh, who was your Bengals MVP? Because I, I can't give it to Joe Burrow. I don't think he was great. So who? Who? I'm interested to know your thoughts on who it was. Yeah, I didn't think Burrow was great, but when you're under kind of so much pressure, he did hang in there, didn't he? But I don't know. I, I also he, he had the big pass interference call, kind of the holding call at the goal line, didn't he? Logan Wilson. I thought he played well. He's a pretty good coverage uh, linebacker, isn't he? For yeah, he is. From where they picked him in the draft, that maybe go Logan Wilson. I thought he had a good game. Just a shame about the holding call, which was up in the air. It was a holding call, wasn't it? But they'd not been calling him, so I can see why people get annoyed. And then I can see the flip side of saying stop being annoyed because it's still a holding call at the goal. Yeah. So you know, it goes it goes always. Perhaps I would give it to him. Yeah, I actually think when you watch that back from the twenty-two film. Um, the other player in the end zone was getting held worse. So I actually agree with you. I don't think Logan Wilson was getting held, but I think there was two holds, and they just called whichever one they saw first. I, I don't, I don't think it would have mattered. But yeah, I think he played really well, especially his run defense as well. Coming up when they realised uh, they weren't passing it, he was coming up into the box quite a lot and playing good run defense. But uh, I think my answer would, Awuzie played really well to be honest. But I think Jesse Bates was good. I think it's nice to have an interception on your stat line. Uh, I'd say him or T Higgins, but you have to, if you're a voter, forget that one touchdown shouldn't have stood if you want to vote for T Higgins because the stat line's great. But if you realise that he shouldn't have had that touchdown, then you're not going to vote for him. But the ref gave it, so it's on the statute. So I would probably go Higgins or, or Jesse Bates for me. I thought they were both both really good. Um, my outside shot that I bet on mid-game was Mixon because I thought, imagine if he has a rushing TD and gets 100 yards in the fourth quarter when it looked like they could ice the game. And he threw a pass. I think Mixon would have won it, but uh, unfortunately, Mr. P. Ryan got involved too much and the, uh, the, the thing changed. Um, cool. Halftime show MVP then. We haven't spoken about any of uh, any of this yet. Uh, what's your general thoughts, I guess, on halftime? Did you enjoy it? And B, who was your MVP of that little performance? Yeah, definitely um, enjoyed it. It was nice. I think uh, I've seen quite a few comments, actually. I mean, Overall, from the UK community, I think everyone really enjoyed it. Yeah. The people of kind of my age that kind of grew up with uh, some of those artists. But um, I'd have to, for MVP, I would 100% go for Dr. Dre, who looked amazing because he's 56 and he had a brain aneurysm. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? He looked, he looked absolutely amazing. So, but he enjoyed, I also tweeted this out. He looked generally so happy to yeah. be on stage. I think that was kind of like a, you know, the first kind of act like that to be on the Super Bowl, and it's probably a long time coming in LA, and it probably just felt absolutely out of this world. So, yeah, yeah well, him and uh, Snoop Dogg actually grew up in Inglewood, didn't they? Basically, yeah, where, the yeah. where the stadium is built. So it's like, it was perfect. Yeah, I think logically he is the MVP. He looks great. Uh, I love the fact that he did that tiny little piano monologue, which is actually a Tupac song. I think a lot of people that don't like, not not don't like Tupac, that's the wrong word, but don't know Tupac songs or aren't as big fan. Uh, I don't think they'd realise that he actually played an instrumental of Tupac song. I was like, I know everyone wanted a hologram of him. Yeah, but, um, that was, I think, I don't know where those rumours like kind of came from, do you know what I mean, that there'd be a hologram, because I know he did the did a concert, didn't they, a few years back where it was a yeah. hologram. But, well, a few years ago, I can't remember who the act was now, but uh, they'd done a song with Michael Jackson, I can't remember who it was, 
this is a while back now, but there's rumours that they can do a Michael Jackson hologram, and yours truly over here bet on it, the fact that it would be a hologram, which was a very degenerate moment of mine. Uh, and there wasn't a hologram, so I just think the Super Bowl was staying away from the uh, futuristic holograms. But, uh, yeah, I think Dre's up there. Um, I've got another MVP. I'm going for 50 cent, a.k.a. 75 cent, with uh, how much bulk he's put on, because to even get yourself upside down at that size is impressive. And I saw people being like, I wonder how long he's been upside down for. I was thinking, wait, didn't you realise? He literally got up immediately, <laughs> lied back down for like five seconds and then jumped back off. But to be able to get up there when you're that big of a man, uh, I thought that was impressive. And he wasn't on any of the billing either. So he was a bit of a surprise act, wasn't he? So he was yeah, my- yeah, that was nice. He's uh, he's actually playing in uh, Manchester in this summer. So I might uh, go and see him. He's a big lad, so you'll be able to see him from however far back you stood. (laughs) But yeah, I saw people being like, oh, too many acts, why have we got 50 Cent as well? I'm thinking, you realise that one of the, like, this whole thing is really about Dr. Dre, and he found 50 Cent, do you know what I mean? He found him round the corner from that stadium, that's where he performed to him and handed his mixtape in to to Dr. Dre, so I think people were just getting a bit too anal about that and just kind of need to realise what the halftime show is. It's fun, yes, maybe you wanted a couple more songs from Eminem or whoever, um, but yeah, I just saw a lot of people saying, oh, we didn't need Eminem and we didn't need Mary J. Blige and we didn't need 50 Cent. And I was thinking, well, Dr. Dre wanted all these people. So it's like, it's his thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, um, I thought that um, Eminem was pretty good, by the way. And he's wearing his new trainers. I don't know if you've seen them. They're called Air Marshals. Instead of Air Jordans, he's got his own brand now called Air Marshals. But they're basically copycats, but they've got an M instead of a J. Yeah, and- I saw that. He had his little, uh, my name is... On the yeah, 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 that was quite funny. Uh, and he did a kneel down as well, which I thought was pretty cool. And homage to everything the NFL's been trying to do. So, yeah, I thought it was a good halftime show. But I'm going to go with Big 50 as my, my MVP. Um, and then final, what was your personal Super Bowl experience MVP? So from the start when you started to watch the game, all the way through to when you saw people celebrating, what was the one moment that you were going to remember the most out of all that? In In a good way or a bad way? Do one of each if you want. In a good way, uh, it would have to be Aaron Donald's interview at the end to see um, such a guy like that. Well, well, we really, if you don't kind of watch interviews or press conferences, you only see Aaron Donald when he's throwing people around and chasing (laughs) people. But to see that, you know, outpouring of emotion. Yeah. Was good. I also got. I, I know as a journalist, you have to ask this question. But when she was saying, "Oh, are you going to retire?" I was thinking, "God, let him have ten seconds." As a Super yeah. Bowl champion, but you have to ask it, don't you? You do. Yeah, he's never going to answer it though either, is it? That's yeah, the thing. yeah, exactly. So, but then the negative overriding thing I will always have is unless listen, unless the Bengals come back next season and win the Super Bowl, which I don't believe is going to happen, that being on the fifty-yard line, second and one, with a minute left, is yeah. down three points to to not advance the ball one more yard there is criminal and that's what I'll take away from that is a team with no Super Bowls had a chance for one there so nice two good ones there I think my MVP I wanted to say The Rock because I just find him a little funny but I do think he spoke a little bit too much in that moment so I'm going to go similar to you but for another player I'm going to go Odell when he was crying on the sideline obviously just done your ACL team's losing then he wins and uh, he's due his first son or daughter I don't know if it's a boy or a girl but due his first son or daughter straight after and I think Van Jefferson who actually ran had to go straight to hospital after the game to have his son 
um, just after winning a Super Bowl, that's probably another moment where you think that's a, an MVP in terms of experience. In terms of negative, I'd like to say the intro to the Bengals because that was the first time I'd allowed myself after a week of staying off social media to remember the Chiefs-Bengals game. And I was sat at home thinking, this is a disgrace that we're not in this game. But if I take my bias out of it, I think Chris Collinsworth was pretty poor. As a, I don't know what your thoughts are. I thought the broadcast was not great for those two. Oh, that is so low energy. Yeah. Like, Come on, man, it's the Super You're meant to be hyping us up. You know, if the game is not like... Not the best, yeah. Not the greatest game you've ever seen. It's not 42, 38. It's like, come on, mate, you've got to hype us up a little bit. Even with the trick plays, mind you saying that, I'm biased because if you go back and listen to the coverage of the Philly special in the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, it's kind of like they did a one-yard inside run. Do you know what I mean? It's like sometimes that energy is just not there. Even though they have classic voices to listen to, the energy's not always quite there. Yeah, it was a weird one. I think there's rumours that could be their last broadcast together because of uh, Tariko maybe coming in to replace Michaels. But, yeah, I think, I don't want to be harsh to him, but I don't know if it's the Bengals' connection, you know, because he is biased, was that loved to play for the Bengals, etc. I don't know if he was trying to taper that down and maybe that just led to him not really actually getting high energy for any moment. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I just felt like the whole commentary for me was quite poor. And especially last year when the Chiefs game was so bad and it was such a blowout, I think they did a relatively good job in the second half of keeping the game interesting, even though we all knew it was over. And I think to flash forward to this year when it's a close game, I thought the energy was, was pretty bad. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe it's just a one-off for, uh, for Collinsworth. Uh, cool. Next season, then. Let's just finish on this. Um, we've done this for most of the playoff teams. Uh, let's start with the losing team first. Bengals, obvious to say, with uh, loads of cap space and all their picks in the first seven rounds, that they should just go O-line and defence, basically? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's easy to say, isn't it? Well, uh, hard to pick the right player. Now, I mean, they're not going to be used to picking at the back end of the draft. You know, no offence to the Bengals, but they're not, are they? Um, they're not used to having the 31st pick in the draft. So, yeah, a little bit of cap space there to play with. Obviously, Jesse Bates, they've got to kind of sort that out. He's definitely worth keeping around. But definitely. My, my big overriding thing on the, the Bengals is a lot of people were messaging me this after. I don't think that we're going to see the Bengals back here. I think the AFC is too good. The AFC quarterbacks are just too good. To, yeah. to and answer. coaches as well. I think. Yeah, coaching. and the coaching stuff, not just the quarterbacks, the coaches, just the whole round franchise. The way that the AFC sits right now, it's so strong. Yeah. I just can't see the Bengals being back here. I think that's why that the last drive annoyed me. I didn't even care who won. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But it's like... This is your chance now. So, yeah, I'm not sure on the Bengals now. So, we'll uh, see what they're doing free agency and the draft. But, yeah, that's the other thing. I know everyone talks about them. Are, they're going to have a worse draft position than they're used to. That's hard to find talent. It is quite hard to find tackles and stuff at the end of the first round. But the other thing is free agency. I know they signed Hendrickson last year. If you look at his deal, it wasn't very cash rich. It really did spread the money out around throughout the years. And the Bengals are pretty known for not going huge on the cash side of the deals, the upfront money that players really want to see. And I just think with the cap space you got, that's my kind of feeling. I think forget the draft. If they do well in the draft, that's great. The Chiefs did well in the draft this year on O-line. The Saints did it two years, three years ago on the O-line. But uh, I think more for me, free agency, they've really got to just 
say, right, we are going to spend it. We're going to spend the cash until Burrow gets paid, which is another couple of years away yet. Let, let, let's pay and, and build the O-line through the draft for experience. I think that would be what I'd want to see if I was a neutral or a Bengals fan. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's hard because if you just forget the AFC as a whole, they're in the AFC North. And arguably, they've got three of the best coaching staffs in the, like, sorry, three of the top five or six in the whole league in those divisions that they've got a, that they've got to kind of contend with before you get to the playoffs and have to go against, I don't know, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe, if they improve, people like that. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be hard for them. What about the Rams then? They've gone all in. Uh, not very much made for the future. They've got a hell of a lot of free agents, not loads of cap space. Could we see it kind of slowly start to go downhill for them for a couple of years whilst they get over it? And obviously they don't care because they've got the ring they wanted. I would expect them to be around a similar area next season because obviously we're looking at the NFC and we're we're unclear about Aaron Rodgers and we're unclear about the books. So for me, I would expect them to be kind of back. I know they've got the free agency. I'm just kind of pulling the list up now it is it is a hefty list but this all feels like supplementary pieces i know von miller is obviously a free agent but you'd kind of expect him back wouldn't you kind of on a friendly deal does he want to go again or does he want some money somewhere else or is he gonna i think i think he's the one i could see leave for a payday um yeah but if he doesn't get offered the payday then he'll stay do you know what i mean it's I'm sure they're going to explore it. But yeah, I know what you mean. A lot of it is secondary pieces, but it's like your second best edge rusher, your second receiver, your second cornerback. And depth does matter. And they, they're not going to have any other depth, are they? Because they've got no draft picks. So I do think maybe one more year of this Rams as we know it. Um, we've already heard rumours they're going to extend Stafford, which is good in terms of they will have a quarterback. They won't have to be a team that are going to keep chopping and changing every two seasons. But I think signing Stafford may actually only mean that they can they haven't less money to play with in the next two seasons, potentially. Yeah, definitely. I would expect them to be... You know, it's hard to say, isn't it? But you'd expect them definitely to be in the playoffs, but it's also another tough division, you know, so... Well, it's a weird one, QB-wise. Stafford could be the only starting QB back. If you look at it, Wilson could be traded. Jimmy G likely to be traded. And then we've had all this drama with Kyler Murray this week that we'll talk about probably throughout the off-season, but if it's strange that Stafford could be the most secure QB there after only playing for the team for one season. So, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting division, yeah. I'd be shocked if... I'd be shocked if the Bengals aren't a top 11 team in the AFC and I'd be shocked if the Rams aren't a top 6 team in the NFC just with the QB situations. But, um, yeah, to get back to a Super Bowl is very hard. Uh, cool. Let's move on just quickly then. Just go through the odds for the Super Bowl for next year. Um Hazard a guess. There's two people at the start at the top of the list that are joint favourites. Hazard a guess on who those two teams are. Joint favourites. Yeah. Um, Chiefs, Rams. Chiefs, Bills. Oh, I was going to say the Bills. Oh. Yeah. On Sky, Chiefs are slightly ahead, but in America, they're both seven to one joint favourites. Uh, third favourites, the Bengals. No, <laughs> no, is it actually? Yeah, nine to one. Joint third favourites with the Rams, which I just think is shocking odds to be honest. Uh, then after that, we've got the Packers at 14 to 1, 49ers at 14 to 1, the Cowboys are 16 to 1, the Titans at 16 to 1, the Ravens are 18 to 1, the Broncos are 18 to 1, I guess with the Rogers rumours, the Buccaneers are 18 to 1, Chargers and Cardinals at 20 to 1, and then you've got Browns and Patriots at 25 to 1, and then the rest obviously gets worse as you go. Uh, 
Uh, any ones that stick out for you? Obviously, Bengals shock you in a, in a negative sense. Any that you thought maybe would be lower down the list that aren't? Um, what did you say the Ravens were? They were 18 to 1, which is uh, fourth in the AFC, which I thought was slightly surprising. Mm, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting list. Like I just said, I, I can't see the Bengals. I'm certainly not a betting man. I don't think that's going to change my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not going to put your life savings on the Bengals now. Change my mind on the Bengals. Then, uh... No, yeah, Colts 25 to 1 intrigued me a bit because they, they're going to play a quarterback lottery again, aren't they? And if they get it right, it could be good. Uh, but one down the bottom of the list, I know you can't see this list, but the Steelers at 66 to 1, I've already put a bet on, because we have no idea who their quarterback's going to be. If it's someone terrible, then you've lost five quid. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> there's a chance that Mike Tomlin, who is one of the most respected coaches in the league, could end up out of this with Watson, Rogers, Jimmy G. Obviously, I still, even though Jimmy G's not great, I still take him at 66 to 1 if you've got the Bengals at 9 to 1. Do you know what I mean? So. I think the the Steelers are pretty good odds, to be honest, at that rate. And even the Seahawks are forty to one with how good their offense could be if they keep Wilson. I, I quite like, but yeah. In terms of the lower odds, I'm with you. The Ravens to win the North, especially if they're behind the Bengals, is a good one. And um, yeah, the Packers are fourteen to one. You're not going to get fourteen to one on Aaron Rodgers if he stays. So I think if you think he might stay, fourteen to one is pretty good, isn't it, for the Packers? Yeah, absolutely. But we'll see. We don't want to talk about Rogers now. We're going to have months of that, I, th- I feel like, on the podcast. But yeah, uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, we are not going to record next week. We're going to have a week off. And then after that, we're going to come back and start doing our team needs before free agency. Free agency is basically four weeks away. So uh, we're going to have a couple of NFC, AFC episodes to talk about what teams need. But uh, thanks again, everyone, for, for listening this season. It's been our first full season. I know we both absolutely love doing it and love the, anyone that's listened remember to go follow us at, at go for two podcast to be the number two we're going to try and tweet out more and more as the off season goes on uh yeah thanks again for listening we'll speak to you soon yeah speak to you soon everyone